Are you ready to tell me everything? <laughs> Did he watch your Instagram story? He was the first to watch it, girl. Ghost him. Stop. Block him. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome to Tell Me Everything with Lance. Guys, I am so excited to present to you my newest sponsor to the podcast, Apero. Apero is a homegrown small business based in Dubai with the best luxurious cheese and meat boards and spreads for every occasion, whether it's for a housewarming, birthday, or any event, including corporate ones actually. If you're hosting or attending, these boards are the perfect hit. Guys, I have used apparel for all my gatherings, all gatherings I go to, and I just absolutely love it. It's always demolished at the end of the night, which I get a bit of it sad with, but it's all good. Guys, be sure to order from apparelboards.com to get 10% off your first three orders. I'll be sure to also drop their social handles and their website in the show notes. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to Tell Me Everything with Lance, episode 46. Today's guest is Jahaina Ed Mahiri. Did I say that right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, she is a senior air traffic control officer, podcaster, and motivational speaker. She's also the youngest Emirati woman in the region to complete air traffic control program. Her story is inspiring to all women around the world. Today, we are going to discuss her journey to becoming an air traffic control officer and completing one of the hardest programs with the odds against her. Please welcome Johanna to the show. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> all right. For starters, could you tell our listeners kind of where are you from? I knew you grew up in Sharjah, but kind of where your background was, where you grew up, and then we'll take it from there. Um, so I was born and raised in the United States. Arab Emirates. I'm proudly mixed race. My father is Emirati. My mother is Tanzanian. And even from my mother's side, she's also very mixed race. So I'm a little bit of everything I feel from the region. Um, So yeah, I grew up in Ajman. I studied in Sharjah. And then when I got into the air traffic program, I moved to Abu Dhabi at the age of 19 and I moved out. So I've just gone from the north, moved to the south. And this is where I live my life now um, because work is the priority. So what was it like growing up? So I mean, I grew up in Dubai too. So I'm a I, I, I'm an expat, you know, my, my parents are American, Lebanese, and grew up around all these nationalities, all different types, types of cultures. Was it the same for you? And how did you think, how do you think growing up with being from a mixed race um, household, growing up in one, as well as being surrounded by one, how did that impact your, your childhood? Um, so growing up mixed race, I feel like it's a, it's a similar story that most mixed kids around the world have regardless of what the mix is and Mm -hmm. people don't quite people can't quite pinpoint exactly where you're from so because of that unfamiliarity it's either people come off as rude or just as simply curious and then you can educate Mm -hmm. them Uh, so I just took it upon myself to be like okay I feel like people need to learn more about mixed kids and I feel like there are two types I feel like there's a variety of mixed kids but usually the majority goes down to oh I'm very proudly mixed race or they want to hide one of the races or something like that if they look more like one race than the other or anything like that so um for me it was um a little bit tough in school in terms of the fact that I got bullied um you know my hair was curly and not straight um and then you know there's some kids that are like oh you're too dark there's some that are like oh you're too light like there was no winning mm-hmm. there was no um 
I just felt like I was in the middle and I didn't know where exactly I fit, even though growing up, there were so many different nationalities around me, especially towards the end of my school career, like in high school. So high school was good, but growing up as a younger child, um, I did have to change schools three times until I got settled. Um, And purely because of the social construct of the school and uh, the bullying and everything like that. Um, But then the shift happened when I had a shift in my mindset as well. So I think Mm -hmm. I was around... uh, I can't remember the age, but it was definitely the eighth grade because that's when the last school change happened. And I made the decision that I'm not going to be bullied anymore. Like, I don't care. My mom put me in a co-ed school because she wanted me, um, you know, we have uh, gender segregation after a certain grade here. Mm -hmm. So my mom wanted to make sure that um, I don't become uncomfortable around the opposite gender or anything like that. So she put me in a school. So that was already additional stress. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be around boys now. And I was like... (laughs) bullying no more bullying I am done with that so um I think it was just about a shift in mindset a shift in uh you know embracing myself and making a decision to stand up for myself so it wasn't easy but I took it into my own hands to make it better for myself so I know that a lot I mean as someone who grew up here as well and you know my parents are from different places this third culture kid you know identity crisis I have personally struggled with my entire life have you do you think during your you know because I'm like I'm from somewhere but then I don't live in that person when I went to the states for university I was like for sure I'm American got there I'm like oh wait <laughs> never mind <laughs> I, I don't think I'm as embedded as I thought I was um, even though I went to the American school here do you think you had also maybe a similar experience in struggling with that what is my identity and kind of the bullying was like an added on since you you know were bullied for you know, for whatever reason was, but do you think that identity crisis was part of that growing up that those formative years of your childhood or teenage years before high school? Mm, To be honest, I've never been asked this question. So I have to think about it. Mm. And I don't think I had an issue with my identity because I had a very strong personality. So even as a child, one of the stories my mother and my grandmother tell me is I would walk up to people and I couldn't pronounce my name yet Jehena, like even adults struggle with the, the pronunciation. So I would walk up to people and when people ask me, oh, sweetheart, what's your name? And I was like, I think four or five years old, I'll be like, my name is Janena Baby. And I'd like pat my chest so proud. Imagine this like a little girl with an afro, like Janena Baby, like, of course, how do you not know me? You know, so <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> so I had that. Um, proud, strong stance of who I was. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was always um, unapologetically feminine as well growing up. Like I would wear princess dresses to school. And when I had to go to school, I'd pack that in my bag and then show mm-hmm. up, change in the bathroom. I'm like, I have arrived. Um, probably part of the reason why I got bullied. <laughs> but, um, you know, I had a very strong sense of self. And I think it stems because I was raised by my um, three mothers, I called them. So my grandmother, mm-hmm. my auntie, and my mother. And these are very Uh, strong resilient women within themselves so I don't think I had that identity of like am I Marathi am I Tanzanian um for me I was like okay well I came out looking a little bit different compared to everybody else around me and everyone told me I had a pretty face so I was like all right I accept like you're like let's do it (laughs) I was like thank you do you like what what I did with my eyeliner today I learned that on YouTube that just launched (laughs) recently so you know like it was it was something I hadn't actually thought about or registered and as an adult I've done a lot of 
work with my life coach to understand my childhood and everything. But I don't think I would have, I don't think I would have said I had an identity crisis. Um, I think it was just like, okay, well, this is me. And my biggest um, hurdle day to day was just going to school, making it through. And then eventually when I started to stand up for myself, it was just about dealing with that. You know, it's eighth grade, like you're going through puberty. Now I'm yeah. suddenly around boys, like there's so much going on. Um, and then the household I grew up in was a little bit turbulent as well. So there was too much happening outside of myself for me to think about myself. And I was the eldest child as well. So I had to take care of my two little sisters, mm -hmm. eventually my grandma. I had to nurse her back to health when she had um, uh, a spine surgery. Like there was so much externally. I didn't have the time to look inwards. Um, and yeah, and whenever I would visit my auntie in the States, because that's where she lives now and she immigrated mm -hmm. there. That's where I felt most at home because she lived in Atlanta. So I would go okay. there and I looked, like, I was like, oh my God, everyone's so nice. <laughs> I'm like, oh, your neighbors are so lovely. How long have you known them? And she's like, I've never spoken to them in my life. And I'm like, what? And I was just shocked. I was like, everyone's so nice here. Um, you know, so actually like. That Southern charm. I positive. Yeah, that Southern charm. And okay, that's yeah. the experience that I had. So when I went there, I'm like, wow, look at all these people. And because I spoke good English here, and at one point, I was in a government school, I, um, especially in my younger years, like, I just felt like I wasn't accepted. And then I go there and everyone's mm. like, Oh, wow, look at this little girl from Dubai who speaks such good English. And I was like, now as an adult, I'm like, Oh, there was a little bit of bias behind that. But mm -hmm. as a kid, I was like, wow, everyone really likes me here. So that's the thought that I had. And I just felt yeah. accepted when I did go to Atlanta. Uh, and I think it's because I had that mixed kid look anyway. So um, I think it just worked out that way. And I felt really comfortable um, when I visited my auntie. When I came back here, I built my own niche and like all mm -hmm. the friends I hung out with in high school when I did make um, closer friendships uh, during my school career, everybody else was mixed race as well. There was one girl who was British Lebanese. Um, mm -hmm. she's the only one I remember properly as the mixed kid that was hanging out yeah. with me, but we all, like the school I went to had like over 80 nationalities in one school. So wow. it got better, but, um, yeah, I don't think I had the time to look inwards and be like, oh, like, who am I? Where do I fit in? What's going on? I was like, okay, my hair is curly. I'm going to straighten it. Cause that's the only way I knew how to manage it. And that was it. Like that me too. And I still suffer from the, from the, I mean, same way. I mean, I can also relate to that a lot because I went to the American school here in Dubai and everyone was basically, you know, there were a lot of Americans there at that time, blonde hair, super, super straight, or they were mm. Arab, like I am have Arab and they would straighten their hair every day. So I'm like, okay, so curly hair is not cool, quote unquote. And I would yeah, also feel like I would have to straighten my hair all the time. Now I embrace it. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah, like I have a whole curly hair regimen and everything. Like, yeah, I love it. It's um, you know, but it took a while to shift to that, you know, because I wasn't, I didn't learn as a teenager how to take care of my hair other than braid it because mm -hmm. my grandma believed protective hairstyles um so that whole like hydrate your hair scrunch curl and let it go I just walked around like this frizzy bobblehead so I was like Same. nope I'm straight I had those like emo side sweep bangs with like a yes. streak of blue in it like <laughs> let's go and I, like, I, <laughs> I, I would I would I, I I look sometimes look back at my photos that were a little bit off topic but I would see that I like I like wanted to cut my bangs cut my bangs why on earth oh. I, I do it I'm like mom why did you okay this? You're like, you kept pushing me. I didn't know what to do. It was all about confidence <laughs> and whatever you want to do to you. I'm like, oh my God, I can't look at those photos.
can't. Yeah. Um, I, I went, I had my hair layered. It was like little um, uh, salon in Ajman, and it was like shady. Like now when I look back at it, it was shady, right? And I went in there and I was like, I'm and I showed them something off the internet with this like emo kid with side sweep bangs. So straightened, I had the look, but to continue straightening my hair like that, with curls, it just looked so awkward. Yeah. It was like, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, sometimes look back, we just have to embrace it. I do think, I know we're a little bit off topic, but I do feel like we are in <laughs> a year now where curly hair is finally embraced. And I know this goes more into confidence and in how we look, but definitely is more embraced curly hair method forever. Um, okay. So I'm just wondering when you look back at that time, was there a form formative moment or year that you're like okay this is where I transition maybe from being bull being bullied being not so confident to okay no I am I know you said that you kind of had your identity you were a confident kid growing up but was there do you ever look back on a moment up until you're 18 years old where like this was an informative formative moment in who I am today um, I think it was every time I had a sibling born, I have two younger sisters. So okay. I, from the time I was a child, um, be, with what I was told, I was such a nurturer. So every time a new mm. sister was born, I'm like, okay, I take care of you. I used to go and take these like, um, you know, these water boxes, I would like cut off the top and I would just like mm. dra drag them around the house. And be like, okay, I take care of <laughs> you. Like, don't go far away protect so I always had that like nurturing instinct and I kicked it into gear um and then you know times at home weren't the best so I had I had an extra protective instinct um you know so that was there um and I was everyone's rock so I was my grandma's rock my mother's rock my little sister's rock so I never cried I haven't actually cried until I was 26 years old so that was another formative wow. moment I'll get to that and like, yeah. I never, mm -mm, nothing. I was like, oh, I could suck that tear back in if I could, like, no oh way. Wow, so, wow. Because I have to be like everyone's rock. So, you know, that was really formative. And it set that solid foundation of I'm not allowed to waver. Um, and then when I was 17, 18, like everyone's figuring out what they're going to do in life. And mm -hmm. around me, everyone seemed like, oh, they got accepted to university. They know what they want to do as their next step. And I just sat there. I was like, I don't know what I want to do. My mother wanted me to take over the family business. She was a veterinarian and she had her own practice. And I had a knack for it. I was good with like the clients. Um, I was good with the animals. Like I had, I had that. And I was like, I don't want to study for seven years and then deal with like, oh, sorry, mom, but like all these animals and like dog shit half the time, you know, I was like, it's just so much. <laughs> and also the responsibility, you know, like, yeah, we had a, we had a, with the clinic, we had a kennel in Cattery and we would make the owner sign a waiver and say, if anything happens to my pet, I'm, you're not going to sue us or we have no responsibility, but it was a huge responsibility having what, like 50 cats, 50 dogs, full yeah. capacity at summer. Um, it was a lot. And uh, ironically, I ended up taking the most stressful job in the world that impacts a lot of lives. <laughs> yes. Struggling with these hundred animals growing up. I'm like, no, mom, it's too much responsibility. I don't want. Um, so I did a lot of soul searching. And I'm grateful my mom gave me the space to figure out what I want. But around the same time, you know, my mom was the sole breadwinner for such a long time, taking mm -hmm. care of everybody and that's a lot on one's shoulders. So towards the time I was 18, 19 now, I started to notice she was getting a little bit tired, like, you know, that fatigue that like something was not right with her day to day. Um, so I was like, OK, I'm going to take over and 
make sure I provide for everybody, keep my sisters in school, pay for the house, everything. But how? <laughs> so I applied to so yeah. many different programs. And when I got into air traffic control, it was the one that would pay me the most in the shortest amount of time if I succeed. And um, they would pay me a salary while I'm studying as well, because it's a training program. So you do training on the job training, and then you get the job at the end. So it's not like okay. a, a university education or anything. So when I found out the end salary, I'm like, I have to make it because then I can take care of everyone comfortably. Everyone can achieve what they want to achieve. Like, you know, so I had that pivotal moment where even when I got into the program, I didn't realize the gravity of the job just yet, mm. because my end goal was to care for everyone. So that was also another pivotal moment when I was 18, 19 years old, uh, when I applied for the program, got into the program, and I decided, that's it, I'm going to make it happen. And then I get there, and there's only one other Emirati girl that makes it. And wow. every other girl that came after her failed. And some girls would walk in on the first day, see how complex um, the airspace map is, and they would leave. They wouldn't even like say, they're like, okay, we're, we're, we're going to go now. And they would just walk out the building before signing the contract wow. officially. So it's That's how intense it is. Like people have mm -hmm. walked out just by looking at a map. So um, I was like, well, I have to make it because I've got three people relying on me to make it. So having that shift again in mindset of I have to do it. So I put my head down for like two and a half years, got it done. And then after I made it through, I realized the achievement I made in the facility, I was the youngest girl to ever make it um, wow. as quickly as I did. Um, you know, the youngest you can get your license, I got it. Like I was bada bing, boom, boom, done. Like You're like, let's um, do it yeah exactly you know um and then as I continued to like grow and like I I moved out of the house when I was 19 it was such a big shift I moved out of the house I took up one of the most toughest uh training programs like in the region and the world as well because we have one of the most complex airspaces that we're working um mm -hmm. and then I made it through and then I was out in the world and I'm like okay now what <laughs> you know so I was like, okay, well, I, I go to work. I work six days on, four days off. And my four days off, I'm like, uh, okay, now, like, what am I going to do? Went to university, finished my degree. And then in that time of just, you know, I got a life coach. I continued to um, work on my brand, which happened by accident on purpose in terms of public speaking and like mm -hmm. doing interviews with people and like all of these things. So I've just kind of just taken it step by step and flowed. Um, but again, like, you know, there's been growth in terms of, career mindset um I told you I didn't cry till 26 because yeah. I just really didn't feel safe enough to like let it out um but now it's good like if I need a release I have a release like all of that mm -hmm. so it's just a, a constant shift you're constantly growing how I'm gonna grow next god knows um maybe if I get my fourth <laughs> dog I'll, I'll have this like revelation moment of like okay <laughs> um but yeah so how I continue to progress now it, it's constantly changing I feel like as a human being you're constantly shedding your skin evolving I'm mm -hmm. like a very, very, very thick onion. So we'll see what comes <laughs> next. <laughs> I, I mean, your your story is remarkable, and I, and I, of course, I mean, I did some stalking before. I was like, wow, this your story is amazing. And I know one of the things I mean that you have just mentioned is now is that you know in those two and a half years, like failing was not an option. You had, you know, you you were like, I'm going to make it, even though there's, you know. 0.2% acceptance rate, I think, is it the women's acceptance rate into the program? Yeah. And, yeah, you know, like you're worldwide. You're, that's the worldwide. I mean, and that's, that's not so I, I mean, I can imagine the map is always super dynamic and complicated. 
was there, I mean, I know in two and a half years, you were super motivated to get to your end goal. But as humans are, we have days where naturally we're like, oh my God, can I do this? On those days where, you know, it might've gotten too much or the studying was a lot. What would you tell yourself in terms of how to get through that day or get through that moment or get through that exam? Or, or whatever it is, how would you mentally kind of get yourself through those moments? Support for Tell Me Everything with Lance is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for all your shaving needs. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate hygiene bundle for the man in your life, the performance package. Help him join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. Guys, I am getting the best offer for you. For the man in your life, for the father in your life, for the brother in your life, whoever you are looking for a gift, a present, whatever occasion it could be, the performance package is ultimately amazing. I got it for my husband, Khaled, and my brother at MZ, and they absolutely love it. The Lawnmower 4.0, by the way, is included in this performance package. You can get any of the things on Manscaped using my code. Get 20% off and free shipping with code LANZ, L-A-N-Z, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using LANZ. Unlock his confidence and always use the right tools for the right job with Manscaped. Guys, I cannot rave more about all the products that Manscaped has to offer, and you get 20% off using my code LANZ LANDS. Enjoy. Um, so I think I was blessed to have the people around me that showed up into my life when they did showed up at the time for the right reasons. So mm-hmm. uh, when I first started my career, again, I moved out. So I'm like completely on my own in a new city. Um, and I have to do this the air traffic control program. And I'm very chatty, bubbly. Like I walk into a place, I'm like, hi, everyone. How are you? Are you okay? Yeah. Like since yeah. I was a child, I would ask people this question, are you okay? So um, I feel like because I was so social in that sense, when I came into work, everyone was like, oh, this girl, like, you know, everyone kind of knew me. And I mm-hmm. shamelessly would ask for advice if I didn't understand something or if I needed more clarity on anything, I would just go and ask. And if that answer is not satisfactory and I can't gain more <laughs> information from that person, I'll yeah. go to the next person and be like, can you please explain this to me? And until I fully understand and comprehend that then only will I move on to the next thing that I'm studying Mm -hmm. working on or whatever it is because also with air traffic the the training program is two and a half to three years long because you're learning every single thing to be able to handle whatever comes your way for the rest of your career so it's a huge foundation that you're building in such a short amount of time in reality so I was just surrounded by people that were there to support me as well. I mean, you're going to get a mix of everyone, but I just chose to focus on the people for me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so all my instructors, even uh, within management in the company that I work in, they were super supportive. And they're like, Jahana, like you have what it takes, keep going. So I was lucky in that sense. And as my career progressed, I had different instructors uh, based on the phase of training I was in. Um, And then again, I had to relocate and they sent us to the United Kingdom to train. So they put us in a town called Cheltenham and we studied in this um, air traffic college there. And then again, it's a shift in where I live, uh, the culture shock in terms of, I mean, I I was in the States and the fact that I could speak English, I was good. Like it was okay. Um, But the, uh, it was cold. It was so cold. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, girl. I'm like, what is this? It's freezing. Like, I've never shivered like that in my life. And we got there in September. It wasn't even cold, cold yet. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh my gosh. 
yeah no mm -mm. <laughs> so I was like uh, uh, and then when I get there um, before that we found out that we're going to be put with host families so the mm -hmm. the Arab kids can work on English so I was put with this really nice lady her name was Joy and she was oh. I call her my British mother like she came and visited me earlier this year in Dubai like we oh such a close sweet yeah like I love her so much and um, I stayed in her house and she had this like beautiful home it was a 40 minute walk to and from the college so she showed me the yeah. walking path and in the mornings if it was raining she'd like drive me in before she goes to work so she was so stable in herself mm. and so disciplined like she used to work in the navy and everything before like she wow. was hardcore so she she like um took care of me and her home was such a stable environment to be in so you know um I would have to deal with calls from my mom with the things she was going through at home and me not mm -hmm. being around as the rock um, and then Joy was so stable with everything. Every day, it was a similar routine, which I never had growing up. I was like, what mm. is this? You can just be chill the whole day. Oh, and everything like, is wow. <laughs> yeah. <What? laughs> you know, so we built a really strong bond and connection. And she was that grounding force for me there mm. because you're learning all, I call it the, the ABC of ATC. So like I learned everything that will build my found, that was my solid foundation to build when I come back to Abu Dhabi to continue mm -hmm. my training. So she gave me that stable environment and I knew I could go to her and talk to her. And there was one other lady in the training school um her name was janet and she was also supportive like i could go to her and like complain I'm like, oh my god i have cramps today like what's happening yeah. and i can't talk about this you know yeah. um so it's nice to have even though there were very few women around me they were quality mm. women going you have to make it but the people yeah. around me made it better it's not an easy journey um you know especially and when, when you're to moving to new i mean different places and you're being put in the cold in, in in the UK and you know I, I yeah of course I mean there's only I think so much the mental can provide for you in those moments and you have that support system around you of course pushing you and being like you got this keep going and I'm, yeah, of course I'm sure exactly. that that helped yeah and then even like I was me I was the only girl on the batch with five other um, Emirati boys so us being in a completely different country on our own yeah. yes we had our own host we built such a strong bond. So we mm. hung out and went everywhere together all the time. Like we would eat together, go to the gym together, uh, hang out together, study together after school. Like we did everything together. So when we came back here and it's that one girl in Abaya with five kandoras, everyone's like, what? <laughs> Who? Wait, whose sister is she? Because that doesn't look right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the culture, we came back and had culture shock. Like, why are they all hanging out with Jahina like, like that? Reverse, like reverse, but we, reverse culture yeah. shock. Yeah. It was like reverse, exactly. I was like, I came back. I'm like, I miss you guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like it just was, and we were so in the groove with that. And you know, they considered me as one of the boys, so they yeah. never looked at me like, oh, Jahina, this girl with us. It was just like, oh, she's, you know, she's got more of a mustache <laughs> than we do, anyway. <laughs> So yeah, there was a huge shift um, going there and then coming back. Um, but still, even the boys, like the bond we built being away together, that still stayed with us. Like it's been, what, 10 years since I joined. And there's one of the boys on my batch that's on my same crew. And we're still so tight. Like it's it's nice to have that. So no matter yeah. what, it's about who is around you. And honestly, I think it was, uh, you know, obviously I was strong enough to do it. But the people around me that showed up when they did, it was just like, thank you. <laughs> My grandma prays really well for me. So <laughs> it worked. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so I'm just grateful for that. So it wasn't all me. I did have people around me that pushed me and were like, you can do this, keep going. And just gave me that stability that I needed at a time when everything was felt like chaos. Um, I, I mean, it's really beautiful to hear, of course, like we were saying, you know, mind is one aspect of it, but having that support system around you, whether it's a friend, a family member, or like you who went to a host family, um, it definitely helps push you, like you got this, keep going. What was the day, I, I, I'm wondering, is it a letter like you completed the program or is it like an email? Like when you've completed the program? So there's a lot of paperwork involved. Yeah, like I I had an exam for like a whole shift. You have an examiner sit with you and then they okay. assess like how you've done. You followed everything to the T. They have their own checklist. And then at the end, um, you know, you get signed off that, okay, you've passed. And I finished on the night of the 14th, morning of the 15th, because it was a night shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, at the, after that, you, I think I had a couple of days off after that, just to give me that breathing space, plus, you know, yeah. the fatigue management. You're supposed to be off for a certain amount of time. And then I came in and I signed my license and that was it. So how did that day feel for you? I mean, that you've been working towards for two and a half, three years. Like, can you describe that feeling that you had? Like when you're in, I'm sure doing the the test that the examiner is going, you're not thinking like, all right, I got to pass this. No, just keep going. But like once you like were like, yeah. oh, I, I, I passed. Oh, like how did that describe to us how that felt for you? Um, it, it felt really numb because again, I was emotionally constipated at night. And <laughs> so I was so numb and I had this cat called PETA that I rescued. Okay, cute. That sounded for pain in the ass because this oh. cat was so intelligent. She would open doors. She would like follow me around. So I lived on the ground floor of a building. So I would mm-hmm. keep the balcony door open and just like let her roam free, come in and out whenever she wants. And she would wait for me in the garage, no matter what time I came home, like, okay, mommy, like I'll walk <laughs> you in. She'll walk to the community gym and everything. So when I Cute. came home that day, you know, was sat in the garage, like, oh, why are you so late? The sun is coming yeah, up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mom, what time is it? <laughs> Yeah, like, oh, come on. And then um, I remember I saw her and I just didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know if I want to eat. I didn't know if I want to take a nap. I was so pumped, but so tired because yeah. I've not stopped for so long. So I went to the, um, there was this like, there's a playground, basketball court and swimming pool, like just near the building, like on the other mm-hmm. side. So I went and I sat on the swing and I swung on the swing and watched the sunrise. And then I went to bed and I ate McDonald's. Like, that's it. Love like, that I was for just, you. Love that. that McDonald's like, McDonald's or love that yeah. for you. I was like, I took the cat with me in the car. I'm like, let's go to McDonald's. Like, let's just yeah. go sort it. Cause nothing delivered to me. I live in the middle of nowhere. Oh, so yeah. I had to like take my cat with me, go to McDonald's, come back. And I was just like, I'm done. Um, and then I went away. I decided to treat my uh, mom and my sisters. I didn't make the money yet. Cause I had to wait like a couple mm-hmm. weeks for my salary. I was like, we're going out. And I, <laughs> with whatever I had left in my bank account for my trainee salary, I'm like, we're going out. And I treated them to like a staycation. I'm like, we can order appetizers if you want, which we never really did growing up. We're like, no, we're here for the main meal. That's it. I was like, if you want soft drinks, you can have it, smoothies, whatever. Cause we didn't fully allow ourselves to always have that. And my mom mm-hmm. was very conscious of like, teaching us how to eat well growing up as well. I was like, we're eating whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want. Yeah. Um, you want to go on a journey that's overpriced, do it, you know? So <laughs> yeah. there was that moment 
as well. I didn't have the money for it, but I was like, I'm doing it anyway, because eventually I should get that money. So it was mm-hmm. nice to be able to do that. Um, but it came in phases as well. Like, you know, the swings. And then when I realized, oh, wow, I did it. I'm like, mommy, I'm taking you out. Like mom and sisters, let's go um, wait yeah. for the weekend for my to be off. And we just had the best, the best three days. It was so good. So that's how I, I celebrated that. it. So that was how you celebrated it. So as someone who, you know, you kind of chose this program as well as for, you know, the shortest amount, um, with the amount of pay that it was going to give you and all these things. But did you actually have a passion for this industry and have you grown to love it now that you've been in it um, for what, 10 years now, almost? Yeah, 10 years. years. Um, yeah, 10 years. So, yeah. Um, to be honest, when I first got into it, um, I always, I always had a fascin- fascination with airplanes, you know, and okay. it stems from all the travel we did growing up to go visit my auntie. I'm like, mm-hmm. how in how in 14 hours did I cross all of this land and ocean and all of that? So I always had a fascination with airplanes in general, but it wasn't like I was obsessed. Like, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I just sat there and like ogled at them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> the most I was um my auntie we call her Masi so mm-hmm. whenever she used to come and visit us as children we're like Masi came here in an airplane so every time I see an airplane in the sky I'm like bye Masi like I know she's in Atlanta but Cute. I'm like, yeah. Masi. and that's yeah. the Masi connection had to airplanes and then growing up um I always liked the feeling of like being in an airport so my with my mother's work we did a lot of like relocation work for animals mm-hmm. um and the staying up all night to get an animal from point A to point B and wait for that text message because we didn't have like flight radar or anything to monitor a flight you just have to wait Mm -hmm. until the owner texts you they have arrived um so just that paperwork and the fact that everything is so quiet at night in an airport that so much is going on with like it's quiet outside and then Mm -hmm. you get to the airport and it's like busy everything's being done um so I did have a curiosity in that sense of like oh wow airplanes are cool but it wasn't more than that like um you know and then when I was applying to air traffic control um the other program I applied to was to become an aircraft engineer uh pilot as well and a bunch of other ones um that were available at the time I applied to so many but in terms of aviation those are the ones I applied to and um it was something that I just wanted to get into because I knew the money would be good and I'd have that stability. And then I got into it and I was learning everything about it. I'm like, oh, I think I have a knack for this, but you don't know you have a knack for it until you work real airplanes because you Mm. learn everything theoretically and then you go into the simulator. The simulator isn't even close to real life. It's a good enough simulation to know if you have what it takes. And then Mm. when you go into live traffic, live operations, you're sat with an ex- uh, with an instructor by your side to make sure like you keep everything safe and you're working with their license. That's when you find out if you have what it takes. But that's a year and a half into the training. Um, oh, so, damn. <laughs> yeah, like it's not like you find out straight away. Like, yeah, you have what yeah, it takes. Like, it's oh, yeah, I got a year and a half so. in. And then you damn. get in and then you're doing the, you're doing live training for almost a year. And only at the end do you find out after you've succeeded that, okay, yeah, I I can make it and I will make it through because the fail rate is way higher than the success rate, like Mm -hmm. well over 50%. I don't know the exact number, so I won't throw a statistic out there, but um, it is really tough. And you don't know until you've reached live training if all the studying was worth it because people struggle to have that um, shift from taking it from theory to actually doing it, Mm -hmm. you know, because everybody... Everybody can read how to do something, but to execute it is a whole other. 
and to control all the planes in the sky, that's a whole other ball game. So I only, I had a moment in the simulator where I did a sim run and it was, it was a tough one because it was towards the end of our uh, training within the simulator. Mm. And the, the instructor that sat next to me that was assessing and grading me, he asked me if I had seen the exercise before. He's like, have you seen this before? Because you saw everything that was going to come to you, you know, because you have to, as part of air traffic control, you have to look out and see all the airplanes that are coming, formulate a plan and then execute it when they call you. And he turned to me and he's like, did you see this exercise before um, you knew everything that was coming? I was like, no, this is the f- our first run of the day. Like, how would I have yeah. seen it? <laughs> um And then that's when I realized that I have what it takes. And then the boys um, in the classroom, they, you know, we in in the sim environment as well, you can see what everybody else is doing because you work Mm. as a unit together, airplanes seamlessly. And the boys were like, oh, Jahena, it's like she knew everything that was coming because she's half African. I'm like, that has nothing to do with anything. You're just (laughs) using my eyes. (laughs) Um, And I had that moment of, I think I can do this Mm. just based on that. The training goes up and down. So one day you're like, I'm the best. And the next day you're like, wow, I had n- I know nothing. Um, you know, so it, it constantly fluctuates. But that day I was like, I think I can do this. Mm. And then when I, the simulator and the the, the management and training told me, Jahena, you've passed, you're going to the, the, the real life operations. I was like, okay, clearly they think I can do it too. And then that was enough um, drive to continue to push me and propel me forward. Um, so yeah, and I've grown to love it over time because if you have a knack for something and not everybody has a knack for that, um, for this kind of job, that's why the fail rate is so high. Um, I've definitely grown to love it. I can't see myself doing anything else. There's a certain personality, um, and strength that you need to be able to do a job like this well for as long as I've done Mm -hmm. it because something that I didn't have a knack for, I wouldn't have stayed in this for a long time. I would have tried to get an office job, go into supervising, that but now what have I done I've I emailed the day I was eligible to become an instructor I'm like give me I want to teach people how to do this you know and oh, that's what I, I do now that. as well I'm yeah. training um so I think you know they put me through the training to become an instructor and I do that with live operations because that's mm-hmm. where you can really train someone and change their lives because most people would have come and they have to make it as well you know for their families and everything so I've grown to love it. I love teaching my students. It's something like when I see them do a good job and they've like, they're thriving. I'm You're like, like, yes, queen. <laughs> yes. I'm like, yes, queen. Yes, king. Yes, whoever yes, king. you identify yeah. as. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, because it's just, it's so fulfilling and so like satisfying to have your student pass. And in the last, I think it's been three or four years now I've been training. I've had one girl that I got through the training just one in like four years. Wow. So I'm waiting for this to come through. Um, yes. So yeah. I was going to ask you. Yeah. I, I mean, I was going to ask you, how do you deal with that? Now you said you're also now teaching students. How do you deal with the stress that comes with the job of being, you know, doing your six day shifts and then four days off? I mean, how do you deal with that stress in the moment? Do you just like not think about it? And you're like, I'm not going to think about that. Like these are actual planes flying. Are you like, no, no, I'm well aware that there are hundreds of people on these planes. Like I just got to focus. Or do you like kind of not deal with the stress and just like live in the moment? Have I got to do this? Um, to be honest, I when like the environment I work in, we call it a radar environment. So you just see okay. dots on your screen. 
not has a little bit of information next to it. Like, for example, if it's an Emirates flight, it's an Emirates flight, it's an Airbus 380, its speed is this, it's climbing or descending through a certain altitude and you're, mm -hmm. you're cleared to a certain altitude. So there's a certain amount of information that are in your like aircraft labels. And yeah. you can even see that information flight radar like easily um so i don't think about it like oh some like unless my grandma's flying in and i'm trying to get her high speed and land as quickly as possible i don't pay yeah. attention to, or think about oh there's like 800 people on this airplane or like whatever it is because it's my job to ensure they get from point a to point b safely mm -hmm. there's certain procedures that followed in order to ensure safe skies following the rules and if I'm teaching to make sure my student is doing that as well so um there's two, again it's not something I'm thinking about inward because there's so much mm. I have to give outward like yeah I think it's the same with my childhood you know like I have to I have to show up and get it done and it's all about emotionally compartmentalizing as well because there's so many different things outside of work that impact your thought process when you go into yeah. work whether it's positive or negative it's something that we learned about when I was studying in the UK. Um, people that get divorced, obviously, you have that shift in mindset and you show up to work stressed. But one of the things that stuck with me from the training I got in the UK is even when you get back together with somebody, you can show up and still mess up at work because it's a positive thing, but it's a change in your life. Yeah. So, um, you know, no matter what it is, and I'm mentioning that as an example, because whether you have a positive shift or a negative shift in your life, you need to show up and still do a great job. So I always tell my students, I don't want 100% from you, I want 200%. Because on a day when you're not feeling yourself, you're still going to show up at 100%. Yeah. And that's a and I, again, I was so lucky to have the instructors I had with me when I was studying in my formative, formative years, um, mm -hmm. because I had one of the instructors, he pulled me aside. He's like, Jahena, I don't know what you're going through at home, but I can clearly tell something is off. He's like, you're an intelligent girl, but you can't let what's happening outside of work bring you down. Um, and he was really respectful. He's like, I don't need to know what it is, but I'm going to tell you how to deal with it. And he's like, you need to imagine when you come in through the gate at work, um, this arc the, you're going to wash away, physically wash away everything that is impacting you, whether it's positive or negative. And when you walk in, you're going to only care about moving airplanes, following the procedures and chilling on your break. That's it. You don't care about anything else. And at the beginning, it was tough to have that visualization, but I was consciously doing it and practicing it whenever I went into work. Mm -hmm. And it's something that also like passed down to my students as well. And we call it the shit box. So I would tell them, I'm like, go outside. I even tell them, I'm like, go outside on your break. Now fill up this box with all the shit that you think yeah, is yeah, impacting yeah. you. Yeah. And then you close that box and you leave it there and you come into work and you're ready to work. And when you're done with work at whatever time our shift is over, you walk back out and it's up to you if you want to deal with that box. But the only thing you care about are controlling planes in here. And you have the knowledge and ability to do what it mm -hmm. takes because you've reached this part of your training, which is live operations. So it's up to you to decide if you're going to allow whatever's happening outside of work to drag you down or fuel you to succeed. Mm -hmm. And just having that talk with them that I had when I was training and going through a tough time has helped people have that shift. So it's, again, yeah. all about mentality, compartmentalization. And um, what I've included in that visualization is I have a dance party in my car before I get to work. <laughs> so I have like a full-on like jamming session to whatever song that makes me feel myself. Um, yeah. 
what's consistently stayed since I was in training was uh, elastic heart by Sia because you need a thick skin nice. and an elastic heart. Nice. And that's so, a good one to good belt one. out in the car. Yeah. That's a good yeah, one exactly. to belt out. 100%. So it's all about there's so many different components. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's something that I learned in training, but I feel it's also important not to gatekeep that information so other people can succeed as well. Um, I I love the the ship box that you 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 leave it outside and then you don't. Yes, I love that. I'm going to use that. Um, my yes. last question are what are your hopes? And, yes, I'm going to 100%. Um, what are your hopes and aspirations for the future? You know, now you said you're an instructor. I know you have a podcast as well. You do some motivational talks as well. What does the future look like for you? Um, so of course I'm going to stay within air traffic. Um, I love it. I love teaching my students, um, within, cause there's a lot of avenues to grow within the, the, the company that I work mm-hmm. for, you know, there's design there's quality and safety I can work towards going into management based on the degree I have but I really love controlling airplanes and I love teaching people how to control airplanes so I'm going to stick to that for a while longer and I've even expressed that to management like I want to continue doing this and you know give me the grading to become an examiner um, so so I can help cross over the finish line that are deserving of that Um, you know Um, so what in terms of like my day-to-day job sticking to air traffic, keeping that mm-hmm. outside of that miscellaneous that I've kind of fallen into, um, you know, with podcasting and everything with the podcast, um, I moved house and I renovated the whole thing because I'm super extra about that. Um, so <laughs> I I've, only just, I've only just settled and I've decided to be present in the moment and enjoy that. So this summer, like even when I, when we were corresponding and trying to schedule yes. this in, um, I know we've both had a lot going on outside, yeah. but thank you for rescheduling this with me. But if we can't do today, girl, I'm going to see you in September. Yeah, I know you, you were, and I love how you, know. you were up so upfront with it. You're like, girl, the yeah. summer is up. And I was like, love yeah. that. Okay, June 20th, let's just do it. Yeah. <laughs> Last yeah, one I'm to like, send done, you done, done. the summer. Yeah. Exactly. Because I wanted to finish this off in May. And that's why I scheduled yeah. three interviews that day. I'm like, boom, boom, boom. I'm done. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Um, so for you, I was like, you, I agreed to this from early on. You seemed really nice, but I set that boundary with myself. I'm like, yes. I need to yeah. just chill and enjoy life. Like I got married a few months ago. Um, my oh, partner and I had been together for that. Thank you. So it's just about enjoying each other. And like, of course, being, like I have three dogs. I just want to like chill with my dogs. Like, honestly, this summer, I just want to chill with my dogs. I want to travel and just enjoy the home that I took so long to create and, um, purchase yes. and all of that. So I just need to chill. So that's the plan. But outside of that, after summer, I'm just going to see where where it takes me. So the podcast, I love doing that. I like sharing my story because I feel like I everyone likes to put a positive spit on everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a pessimistic person, but I am a realist. And I want people to understand, um, you know, like I talk about the different struggles that I went through, um, being Mm -hmm. mixed race, the I had with body image. And I just talk about that in my podcast. And I made sure it's just an auditory channel because I don't want to think about, um, you know, I have to, I like, I put my face on for you today. Okay. I had to think a lot about how I want to, Based Thanks, on the girl. I really, I thank you thank so you much. So. I really do appreciate it. I really yeah, do. So I want to channel all excellent. my energy. Yeah, yeah. It is, and I just want to channel all of my information into the information I'm putting out. So yeah. the podcast that is 
purely just audio, I'm going to keep that, which is winging it with Jahaina. Um, and then I want to just focus on my health as well. Like I, um, in the pandemic, I gained a lot of weight and I don't mind being a big girl, but I'm feeling uncomfortable now in my weight. Mm. And my husband is very positive. positive. He's like, you're stunning. I'm like, I know I'm stunning, but I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> and I want to be able to keep I up walking all of the all without losing breath. <laughs> I got it. So I understand. You know, yeah. Yeah, so I really just wanted to um, focus on my health, focus on just being present in the moment because I've always been, what's next? What's next? What's next? I finished air traffic, huge milestone. Okay, I'm going to study. And I was just constantly going on to the next thing. So I've decided to pause. So I'm giving myself three I months of pause. I love this for you. And I, I love this. And I want to get as bored as possible because if I get really bored, I'm going to propel forward and just catapult into uh, the next conference season and everything like that. Um, and I've come up with a couple of things that I'm planning in terms of what I'm going to do. Mm. And the impulse not to start executing is killing me. But I yeah. know I I told myself I'm pausing. So after I click off with you, I'm taking off this face of makeup, not touching yes! makeup for three months. Yes. I'm I built my dogs a dog house because I'm allergic to them. So I'm going to take my, take my um, allergy spray. I'm going to sit out there and just like, that's it. That's me for three months. Um, yeah. So pay attention to me in September because I don't know what's coming, but we're going to see. But the the consistent thing I'm going to keep doing is going to work, training my students. Um, I, they gave me a new student recently. So it's a whole bond we've, we're building yeah. and I'm trying to get him to fine so that that's my sole focus work my student my dogs my husband not in that order <laughs> so <laughs> it depends on the day and my my mood who takes priority and your mood for that day yeah. all right well I'm so yeah. blessed and happy that I was your last podcast interview for the summer you deserve this well-deserved break really I mean you've been hustling for like 10 years literally more so thank you so much yes, for coming on the show today yeah you have not stopped thank you, you for having this break. Taking the time Thank you. Thank you so much. And guys, don't forget, like, subscribe, and I will post Winging It, uh, your podcast, in the show notes. Anyone wants to check it out, can. I'll see you next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>